Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. The funny thing is, as soon as this week started, I knew that what I needed to preach on was trust. And it's so annoying that when you preach something, that God wants you often to learn it first. And so I'm going to talk to you about trust today. Who is excited to talk about trust today? Well, I am, because I trust God. And there's been some amazing things that's happened this week as well. You know, and I'll share that towards the end. But on the topic of trust, because this is such a foundational part of our faith journey. And the, the title of my sermon today is called God is Trustworthy. But, and before you say anything, there's a spelling mistake up there. Okay, so... My laptop, the R button, gets stuck. So God is trustworthy. <laughs> so that is that is up there. And so if you see it throughout, please know that I'm actually quite good, or quite skilled typer. It's a publisher's boy. That is it. All you publishers out there watching on live stream. <laughs> oh, is it? It's a trick. Nah, that's exactly why I did it. Make sure you guys read it. <laughs> so, I'm talking about God is trustworthy, but worthy. Because I believe that when we talk about trust, God's going to open our eyes to revelations of what it means to trust Him. And trust is a big topic. You know, it seems like a simple topic, but it's a big topic as well. But we're going to go to the Bible because the Bible is good. And we're going to go to Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. A very famous passage in the Bible on trust. We print it on coffee mugs and t-shirts. We post it on Instagram. We preach on it. We message people that we encourage each other with it. And it is easily recalled to the memory, to the mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. It's a great passage, isn't it? It is a great passage. But what does it mean? You know, what does it actually mean? Because it's like we say this, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And we say, yeah, I trust God. But not my finances. I've got a handle on that. You know, I, I go through an accountant. Trust God, oh, I'm not in my relationship. We're working through that. You know, we, We've got that sorted. Trust God in my health. Oh, I've got a doctor. I've got some good doctors. You know, you know, it's easy to say that you trust God. It's very different to work that out. I trust God. I trust God. I lean on not on my own understanding, which is actually a very good thing because we don't we don't understand much. But I want to break down just this passage before going on, because the word translated trust in Proverbs three verse five six, which is Hebrew actually means to lie helpless face down. To lie helpless face down is a picture of a servant waiting for the master's command in readiness to obey or a defeated soldier yielding himself to the conquering general. Think of those two pictures. I'm trusting that if I yield myself to you that you will show me mercy. I'm trusting that if I wait on you, you will give me direction. You know, when's the last time 
I did this this week, so I can claim it. When's the last time that you did this? There you go. I'm waiting for your answer, for your direction. When's the last time that you did this? Because I'm vulnerable right now. My kids will be jumping all over my back right now. Mates will be giving me a really weak massage right now. When's the last time that you were face down? In the Bible, we call it prostrate. Prostrate before God. So I, I actually did this this week, funnily enough, before I wrote this. I was on my back. Uh, about two hours, I just lay on my back. This is my job. I get paid to do this. Uh, I, I just lay on my back, and I just asked God to speak to me. And he spoke to me about trust. So I was lying helpless on my back, waiting for God to speak. Do you trust God like that? Is your trust like that? Or is your trust, all right, God, yep, yeah. oh, you haven't made, I'll just make the decision then. I trust you. Oh, no, I actually don't like that. I've got a better answer. I've got a better way of doing this, God. The trust that we have for God is very different to the trust in the Bible. Because it says, with all your heart, if your trust in God is to be true, it must be complete. To put half our trust in God and half our trust in self or something else is really a failure to trust God at all. So there's this picture of someone standing on a rock and on quicksand. If you're half on rock and half on quicksand, at some point, you're going to sink and you're going to fall off the rock regardless. So you, it's probably better just to be quicksand on the rock. You know, if you're half in, half out, at some point, your trust is going to cause you to actually fall. You know, this is the picture that we see with, with all your heart. is like, don't stand one foot on quicksand and one foot on the rock. You need to be on two feet on the rock. It says, lean not on your own understanding. Trusting God with all our heart means to decide to put away our own understanding and instead choose to trust God and his understanding, especially declared in his word. And lean not, they give this picture of do not rely on a broken crutch. So who's ever broken their leg before? Or who's ever needed to use crutches before? So I used crutches for a little while when I um, when I uh, had patella tendonitis in my in my glory days playing sport as a 16 year old. You know, like when I was super fast. I think I anyway. I had to I had to use my crutches and crutches. If it was broken, do you think I would be able to stand up very well? And so it's like if my understanding is broken, my the crutch is broken. If I am not complete, not whole, which none of us are. This week has proven to me that none of us are. If I am not complete and I am broken, you know, when I come back to a place where I need to make a decision or I need to trust in God, if I trust on the broken crutch, what's going to happen? It's not going to hold me up or cause me to fall. And in your ways, acknowledge Him. Trusting God with all our heart means to honour and acknowledge Him in all that we do. It is the choice to invite God into our everyday life and conduct. It is to practice the presence of God 
in the regular and sometimes mundane things that happen every day. It's easy to invite God into, oh my goodness, what do I do? Should I study this, God? Should I go on this massive missions trip? God, I'm trusting you to provide for me. How about, God, I'm really anxious right now. I'm really struggling. I'm not able to sleep right now, God. I need to trust you. I need to, are you inviting God into every single part of your life? The mundane things. Stu said this a long time. It's like finding God in the mundane. Uh, it's like if you can find God in the mundane, I tell you that. It's like the whole thing of uh, take someone fishing and they'll fish for a day, teach them how to fish and they'll fish for life. If you find God in the miraculous, that moment will stay in your mind. But if you find God in the mundane, you'll see him everywhere. You'll see him in every single part of your life. Are you calling God in and inviting him? Because this is the thing we have to realize is that God doesn't kick down doors, even though we sing songs, break down the wall, break every chain, Jesus. I think there is an element of God does do that for some things. But in general, in your just general life, we are delicate beings. We're all delicate flowers. We're all people who need some help and need a gentle, loving God. And if God's like, kicks in, bam, stop crying. You know, it's like, does that work? No, I think there's a place where we say, God, I need you. And I will open up the door and invite you in. There's an invitation that we need to extend to God into the every parts of our life, every part of our life, and acknowledge Him. You know, do you acknowledge God in in your finances, in the food that you eat? I've I'm having some really interesting conversations recently about nutrition, and it's convicting the crap out of me because I love pastries. Yeah, you know, it's like about nutrition and uh, the way that God actually has designed food for us that everything we need should get is in our food. I'm like, well, God, I know that's good, but have you ever been to Chew Bakery, God? Have you, have you ever been to Little Loaf, God? You know, it's like, I think God's there. You know, it's like, so, but are you inviting God into these mundane parts of your life? And we must not be afraid to have God direct our paths. We would much rather direct ourselves. This fundamentally is the heart that does not trust God. Because a surrendered heart delights in God's direction and path. Yeah, it, it's so much easier to say, I will do this, this, and this, and God, can you bless it? We will do this, this, and this, God, can you bless my plans? It's so much harder to say, God, this is what you're saying, and I'm trusting you in it. That's tough. But when we decide to put our trust in the Lord, when we decide not to trust in our own understanding, but give attention and priority to God's revealed word, when we decide to acknowledge and honor God in all that we do, we can go forward in peace, believing that through his word, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through the counsel of others, through godly common sense, common sense people, and through life circumstances, God will direct our paths. I want to give a summarized version of the summary that I just gave you then. 
to lie helpless, face down before God, fully abandoned to his will, not relying on broken crutches, but honoring him by inviting him to every part of our lives and not being afraid to walk the path he has prepared for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. To lie face down, you know, you get what I mean. When we extrapolate it, when we unpack it, we realize that there is a trust is not this this thing that we just kind of, oh yeah, I trust God. Yeah, I trust God. Yet I don't speak to him for most of the day. Yeah, I trust God. But nah, I figured it out. I went to my, my broker, my financial planner, and we've sorted it out. Yeah, I trust God, but yeah, I don't I don't have time to do these things or whatnot. Yeah, I really believe that we misunderstand what trust is. Because this is a very easy verse to quote. Very, very easy to quote. It's been on many coffee cups, many t-shirts, it's been on many Facebook cover posts. Very easy verse to quote. But it's way harder to live it out. Because there is a difference. Now this is an important part. There is a difference between trust and trustworthiness. There is a difference between trust and trustworthiness. Who's heard of Stephen Covey? He wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, it's an awesome book. But he explains a paradigm where he says that you can have two trustworthy people that have zero trust between them. You can have two trustworthy people with zero trust between them. What does this mean? I can talk about how trustworthy you are and sing your praises. I, you can be super credible and have a track record of being reliable and coming through on things that you have said you will do. You can be an upstanding person with high capacity who's given lots of responsibility regularly. You can be an amazing listener who gives great advice and keeps information super confidential. You can be known as a trustworthy person, but if I don't trust you, all your trustworthiness is null and void. Why? Because trust is an action. It's a verb. And trustworthiness is a noun. Awesome. I got that wrong. But you get what I'm saying. A descriptive word. Trust is an action. Trustworthiness is a character. Characteristic. We find it easy to recognize trustworthiness and trustworthy people, but it's a lot harder to actually trust those people. God is trustworthy. It says it in the word, trust in the Lord. He is trustworthy God. He is faithful. He's done it again. He's done it once. Israel, fire out. Israel is so silly. They keep getting stuffing things up and God's like, no, I will come through for you again. I said, I'll do it, so I'll do it again. Yes, Israel is so silly and they don't trust him. He's trustworthy, yet they do not trust him. You can have a great pastor, but I don't really think he knows what's going on. I don't think he knows what he's doing, so I'm not going to trust him. My best friend is really trustworthy, but I don't think they'll be able to help me with my depression. My partner is the love of my life, but they might leave me if they know I can't get on top of my finances. God is trustworthy, but will he really provide for me if I step into this new job opportunity? God is trustworthy, 
but he won't be able to handle my dysfunction if I truly open up to him. God is trustworthy, but is that door he has opened really the right door? There's a difference between trustworthiness and trust. We can declare to kingdom come that you're trustworthy, your characteristics as a person, you're an upstanding person. We can just declare it and say it again and again and again and again. And we like saying, that, oh, you're a trustworthy person because it makes us feel like we recognize something, you know, oh, you're trustworthy, you're trustworthy. Yet, we don't trust. We struggle to trust. Because trust and control can't dance together. I was hoping that my wife was going to be here so we could do a bit of a dance lesson for you, but I'll just do it by myself. Is that why she's sick? <laughs> That's why she's sick. Trust and control cannot dance together. Control wants to take the lead. Our, our wedding was a great dance. Control wants to take the lead. Am I in the lead? I don't know. <laughs> there we go. No. Control wants to take the lead, but trust needs to be in the lead. So imagine two people kind of going, and then everyone's stepping on each other's feet and saying, like, oh, I want to lead. I want to lead. I want to lead. Trust is trying to take the control, and control is trying to, trying to be in the lead as well. So all of a sudden, you've got this messy, messy dance where control will not submit to trust. Dancing with trust does not mean that you then ragdoll your way through a dance and just get carried by trust. It means that you follow the prompting of the lead. So I do follow the steps that trust has. Control starts dancing with trust. So, oh, this, I put my foot there. Oh, samba. Oh, samba. You know, it, it, we dance together. Dance. But if we truly want God to lead, come on. We have to let our control or control issues be led by trust. It is absolutely amazing how many of my testimonies are preceded by failed attempts to maintain control. Let me say that again. It's absolutely amazing how many of my testimonies are preceded by failed attempts to maintain control. And then, then it's like, oh, you really trusted God in that situation. Yeah, well, it was like the fifth time that God was trying to get through to me, but yeah, I trusted him. It was good, wasn't it? You know, it's like, oh, you're so faithful and so trusting in the background. You're like, oh my goodness, I've spent so much money trying to get on top of this. And I should have just asked God to deal with it, you know. A lot of us, it kind of gets to the point where God's just like, all right, do your thing, get over and done with. I'll protect you from now. Protect you. Just get over and done with. And then he's like, all right, now you've come to a place where you, you see me as trustworthy, but you actually trust on me as well. Well, I'm freaking out, trying to plug the holes in the dam. God's standing back to saying, all right, when you're done, just stand to the side a little bit and I'll come in and I'll patch it up. I'll sort it out. Is this hitting anyone? Just speaking to anyone? You might recognize God as trustworthy, but do you actually trust him? 
You might say, God, you're faithful and sing songs. Oh, my life, you have been faithful. Mm. You hear the sweet sound of Lucette and Nisha and Andrew intertwining the vocal things. <laughs> noises, harmonies, there we are. Together, and you're like, wow, this is, this is angelic. And you hear... Songs, oh my life, you have been faithful. Yet in the background, you're like, but don't touch my finances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my life, you have been faithful. But I don't trust you in anything. It's easy to sing and say and declare, but it's so much harder to do and put into action. Can I tell you about Gideon? Gideon's a life passage for me. And what that means is that people have just spoken it to me many times. And it keeps coming back. And people are like, you remind me of Gideon. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that. But what I'm going to do is, because I need to go through two chapters here, I'm going to summarize Judges 6 and 7 for you. Is that all right? So Judges 6 and 7, please go and read it at another time. For seven years... Because of Israel's evil, understand this, because Israel did evil in the eyes of God, God gave them over to the Midianites. The, the word wrath, we talk about God's wrath, and we're like, God is wrathful. Another way to describe wrath is to, to hand over to one's devices. So God's like, all right, fine, you want to do that? Do it. Charlie Ollie, you want to eat sugar before bed? All right, fine, just do it. Uh, and you want to sleep a wink tonight. And you know, it's like handing over to one's own devices. The Midianites would steal all Israel's crops, take all their livestock, ravaging the land. We just watched, um, we're watching Clarkson's Farm 2, the second season, and it's amazing how hard farming actually is and how there's such a delayed gratification in there that you need to wait for something to grow and, and kind of... Um, put all the, the financial hope and whatnot in one half of a year. It's amazing. So imagine doing all that and then just someone comes along and steals it for seven years straight. So God decided that the Israel's, Israel said, all right, finally, God, we need your help. They turned to God after seven years. like, we're crying out for help now, God. And, and God says, all right, sweet. You've finally done it. I'm going to raise up a warrior to help you save Israel. And this is actually a trend in the Bible. If you do like a whole narrative look at the Bible, it's like this loop where Israel disobeys and abandons God. Bad stuff happens. So like they either get kidnapped or attacked. They cry out to God. God raises up a warrior. Someone to set them free. And it comes back to Israel stuffs up again. Bam, 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 bam. And if you just read the Bible, it's ridiculous how many times it happens. So an angel went to Gideon to speak to him to say that you will be, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, went to, to Gideon. He was actually found threshing wheat in a wine press. What this means, threshing wheat in a wine press is, Threshing wheat should be done out in the open. And if you've ever seen someone thresh wheat, it's like, <laughs> they just grab a big bunch of 
wait, and they go. It's like the, the ropes, you know, like the threshing the wheat out. He went to a wine press, and wine presses were built below ground so no one could see you, so you could be hidden. So he was threshing wheat, hidden away, not in the usual place. And it's amazing how fear will make us hide things in our lives. There's a difference. There's a different sermon there. But like when we are fearful, we start to do things that were intended to be done out in the open in private. So the angel went to Gideon, and Gideon responds to him saying, Pardon me, my Lord. I love this. Pardon me. Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and he will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. It goes on, and he's like, oh, fair play. He goes on, he does um, does a sacrifice of, a, of a, an animal, and he knocks down a, a, a statue of the other god, Baal. But you can read about that in your own time, which is pretty cool, just knocking down idols. But then we jump to verse 36, and Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, Look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon, a second time, said to God, All right, do not be angry with me, God, but... Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did say, only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. So Gideon's like, sweet, let's do this. Let's jump forward to Judges 7 verse 2. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men at this point. He had brought 30,000 men together. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. Do you know how many men Midian had? 135,000. So they're like, hold up. We got 30,000. They have 135,000. Yes. You want us to have less? He goes like, Yep. Otherwise, Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. So 32,000, sorry. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I'll thin them out for you. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he should, shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dog, dogs, dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cup hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into the hands. Let the others go home. 
32,000 down to 22,000 down to 300. Do you trust me, Gideon? Jump forward to verse 13. Gideon arrived. They went down to spy on the camp where the Midianites were. They were in a valley. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. So then Gideon's like, sweet, it's go time. So he broke 300 into groups of 100, three groups of 100, and he gave them trumpets, empty jars, and torches. As they approached the camp, they blew their trumpets, smashed their jars, and then grasped their sword in one hand and torch in the other and said, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The Midianites turned on each other and attacked each other before fleeing. 300 men defeated 135,000 and they pursued them as they fled. That is an insane story. That is insane. But just like Gideon with the fleece, God might allow you to go through the motions of feeling like, I'm in control here. God, make this fleece wet and make the ground dry. <laughs> you want to get this? And he's like, all right, cool. All right, make the fleece dry. <laughs> Not very creative, but make the ground wet. <laughs> all right, fair play, yeah, let's do it. Do you know, we're probably looking at God saying, <laughs> You don't know what you're doing, God. Make the fleece wet, God. You won't prove yourself. I don't want to trust you. I'll just take it into my own hands. A summary of Gideon. Gideon, I don't trust you, God. Let me test you with some fleeces. Okay, you, you, actually, you actually are a trustworthy, God. Thank you, God. God, now my turn. You have too many people. Now run down a hill with jars of fire. Put trust into action. Can I point out something really interesting here? God, Gideon tested God two times. How many times did God test Gideon? Two times. God, Gideon's like, all right, twice. You will listen to my elements or my, my, my efforts of control. And then God says, well, twice you will give up control. You need to trust him. There is a difference, but it's the small details that matter. We can go through the motions of trying to make rational decisions informed by logic and data, but there comes a point in time where you just need to trust that God is saying the right thing. Take that jump, change that job, invest in that house, study that degree, run that connect group, serve on the kids team, come join the worship team. The Lord is speaking to you all. Trusting God requires a deepening of our relationship with Him. This means spending time in prayer and studying His Word to learn more about His character. Because He is trustworthy. Come on. He's so, so trustworthy. 
there comes a point where we need to become more than just people who speak about God's trustworthiness, but people who become but become people who lie helpless, face down before God, fully abandoned to his will, not relying on broken crutches, but honouring him by inviting him to every part of our lives, not being afraid to walk the path he has prepared for us. Come on, can you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. You know, God is... God's doing something in this church. God is doing something in this church in our lives. What part of your life do you need to trust God with today? Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's your health, your mental health. This week has sucked. It's been super hard. You know, I got a text two nights ago. And someone just said, hey, I'm stepping out in faith here. I'm trusting that I'm hearing God's voice, but I want to give you a financial gift. And that was mind-blowing for us, because we, yeah, we were, we were quite emotional, we were quite upset, well, I was personally. But right away, God said, no, I'm going to work through people, I'm going to work to bring good. Next turned to me and said, Do you know what's funny is that I'm not actually surprised because God is good and He cares for us. Thanks is great. But God is great. And what do you need to trust God with today? What is that thing that brings you resistance in your life, in your gut, that is rising up, causing you to say, I can't trust you, God, with this. Even though you're trustworthy, I just can't trust you, God. Right now, right here, is a moment where we can interrupt the normality of that lack of trust. disrupt the trends and the cycles that you've created of mistrust. I'm going to ask you to do something. When you're ready and you've identified that thing, can you stand to your feet? Because I want this to be a, an action thing. Maybe you're ready. Maybe if nothing rises up and you don't, maybe if you don't want to stand, that's cool as well. But I'm inviting you to, to an action of response.
I just want to trust God. Come on. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that I've been taking control of that dance the whole time. God just wants to lead me to new things, new pastures, help me lie down by rivers, streams, a place of rest. God, we just trust you. It's really hard, God. But we trust you. As a church, we trust you for your leading us, God. As a as individuals, we trust you. And Lord, we take the first step of action by standing today before you and saying that, Lord, we open ourselves up to you. Whether it's a mental step that we need to take or a physical step, Lord, we just say that we are your people. You are, you lead us and we surrender control at your feet. I just pray for everyone here right now who's going through things, some emotional or a trust thing that has been holding on for too long. I just pray for healing right now. I know this is a silly picture, but that, you know that game hot potato, you get rid of the potato so you don't burn your hands? Well, I believe that we've got some burnt hands here because we've been holding on to that potato for too long. So Father God, I just pray that you bring healing. Bring healing where we have held on to something for too long. Where it's damaged us, contorted us, changed us. God, we just say that we don't want to be people who are cynical and people who need to control everything all the time but God we want to be people who step out and say that you know the best you have the best in mind for us God we love you and even though this, we're going to have to trust you again tomorrow we take the step today to say that we are willing to be willing to be willing to lay down our control and trust you wholeheartedly that's you to say Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.